Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia, and Opel range. And a car finance specialist on-site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome, welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the show. I have a letter. I got a wee letter in the post today. I love getting posts. I always tell you that. And I want to read it to you. It says, Dear Jerry, there's something I'd like to raise on your show. And although it may be an old chestnut, it's back with a vengeance round Drogheda. Yes, potholes are proliferating at an alarming rate. At the Beech Grove Roundabout, either side of Boho Brewer, down by the River Boyne at Donors Green, and there's more, I'm sure. Despite my making representation to local politicos, it's no go, so that's why I'm contacting you to raise the matter on the airwaves. These potholes have been developing for some time, they're getting deeper and wider, and yes, someone has now highlighted them with white markings, so perhaps something's stirring at long last. I've suspected for some time, Jerry, that elected councillors have no say anymore. And it's clear the abolition of local government has been a disaster all round and is particularly evident in Drogheda. With power today totally vested in one unelected local government official, where is our democracy? Hoping for a Jerry will fix it. Sincerely, Richard. Thank you very much indeed, Richard, for that lovely and well-put letter, I have to say. Potholes, folks. I can vouch for what he's saying there. I live on the north side of town here and it's just, it's shocking the way those holes, I know where he's talking about there, have been allowed to develop. Now, I have an update because overnight, and it is overnight, someone arrived and did a job on that massive hole at the Beech Grove Roundabout. Now, I had a look at it there on the way into work, and it's like a patchwork quilt. That's all I can say to you. It's a, the first day there's heavy rain, and vehicles hit those patched up fixes, should I say. I was going to say something else there. Uh, they're gone. 
that stuff is coming out of those holes again and back to square one. It needs a substantial job. It really does. And I'd say so many cars have hit those potholes in... They're not there days, folks. Or they're not there weeks. They're there months at this stage. And Richard makes the point really, really well there. It's as if nobody cares or nobody pays any attention at all. It really does. Have you an issue with potholes? Let, let's throw it out across the northeast today in Meath and Louth and Dundalk and Ardy, Trim, Kells, Navin. Are potholes an issue across the region? I'd like to know. Or is it only peculiar on the banks of the Boyne and the south of County Louth? Let me know. I want to hear from you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me if you have a problem with a pothole in your area. 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. I'm curious to see, is this problem more widespread than localised? Again, Richard, thank you for your lovely letter and raising the point. I do appreciate it. You make some really valid points there, I have to say. Now, we've lots of uh, chat coming up on the show over the next couple of hours. My Artist of the Week, of course, you know or take that. We'll be talking about a Waterloo exhibition in Millmount. Uh, something fishy going on at East Coast Cookery School with Tara Walker. We continue our series, COVID Through the Ages, with octogenarian Mick Connell. I'm looking forward to talking to Mick after too. But you will have been listening to Colm there on Sport. He was joined by Darius Kearns. Yes, the worst kept secret in sport has become official. Vinnie Pert returns as manager of Dundalk. The thought of a pantomime becoming a circus is in my head when I have listened to all that's been going on at Oriel Park in recent times. And one man who's close to it is our own Adrian Taffy. He's with Dundalk all the way for all their games at home and abroad and he joins me on the line. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Jerry. How's it going? Thanks for uh, joining us today on the show. Well, he's back. Uh, they say you should never go back. We've had suggestions of Jim McGuinness, Dave Rogers, David Healy. Pert was in there. Vinny's back to save the day. What do you make of his return? And, you know, you were there when he uh, parted ways after the European game last August. Uh, yeah, uh, last August. I remember I was on there. Uh, I think I was on with Michael Reid the morning after it happened or when the news broke and uh, I I didn't understand it at the time. I thought that the club had moved too quickly on it at the time, you know. Uh, but obviously there was, you know, an issue with the relationship between the owner and the chairman and uh, Vinnie in terms of, uh, well, the rumours at the time were that they were trying to influence how Vinnie picked the team. And I, I think that Vinnie has certainly intimated that that was the case in the interim. But apparently, uh, Vinny has kept up a strong relationship with Bill Holtzheiser, the owner, in the intervening period. Um, as we all know, uh, Filippo Giovanioli took over, did well, won an FAI Cup, got the club into the Europa League group stages. But the league form was never what you'd want it to be. It was disappointing last year, and that has continued into this year. I think Filippo only lasted three games, and then Jim Magilton took over uh, in interim control for the last 12 matches and they've been largely disappointing too. There's been a couple of high points, a, a win against Shamrock Rovers, a win against St. Pats who are high flying in the league as well. But every time the, it looked like the club had uh, turned a corner or looked like there was a possibility of the team turning a corner and um, they turn out like a dreadful result, like the 5-1 against Bohemians or the Nadir as it turned out to have been last weekend against Waterford when they were beaten uh, three goals to one by the bottom side in the table as they were at the time, you know. So Vinny's back. Uh, 
you know, he has work to do. There's no doubt about that. He's not going back into the same dressing room that he left. You know, very influential players have left in the likes of Sean Gannon and Sean Hoare. Um, a lot of, you know, international players have come, you know, players who play for their countries in the likes of Sonny Natastad and Jokovskis and Wilfred Zahibo. Uh, so it's a different sort of management with those sort of players. Have any of them performed to any great extent? Jokovskis, I suppose, has been some sort of a relative success in Sean Gannon's place at right full back. But the other two, I can't say that they've been a success. And it'll be interesting to see what Vinnie Pert makes of that, uh, whether he returns to, you know, tried and trusted players that he would have trusted. Of course, he's going to lose Chris Shields next month. Seems to be the rumour, though. Word is that he's going to Linfield. Um, so that's going to be a big loss for Vinny. I'd imagine he'd have liked to have Chris Shields at his side as he tried to turn things around, you know. But there's also another factor, and that is that there were many rumours, and I think more than rumours, that Vinny Pert had lost elements of the dressing room uh, around the time of his departure as well. Mm. Um, so that might be something he has to overcome as well. Mm. The uh, different players, for sure, and a different dressing room, as you said, and an international aspect to it. Generally, though, when there is a change, and it is a coming back rather than a change, you know, teams get a lift. You'd be expecting that, wouldn't you, the next? And they've Longford uh, Friday, you know, team really struggling at the bottom of the table. Surely they're going to win that. And then they have the loud derby on Monday night next in United Park. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Many times I've said this season, you know, when the dog had a bad result and I'd be talking to maybe James Rogers or co-commentator John Flanagan and we'd say, well, at least the next game is a great opportunity for Dundalk to turn it around or to, you know, get a run going or to start something, you know, and inevitably they've disappointed in such instances. So, you know, it will be really interesting to see what sort of a reaction he gets from the team on Friday night against Longford and, of course, in that derby against Strahda, Strahda high-flying in the table and uh, are, I think are the envy of so many clubs. They've been um, they've been a great example of how you can turn things around in a club. You know, remember, they were at a pretty low ebb themselves yes. uh, not that long ago and uh, Conor Hoy has done a fantastic job and I often see on my Twitter, you know, Dundalk fans uh, through gritted teeth, you know, looking enviously up the road, uh, down the road as it is now to Strahda. You know, when you compare where Dundalk were, you know, in 2019, you have to remember Vinnie Pert won virtually everything in available to him to, to him in the game, uh, aside from a penalty kick in the FAI Cup final. Mm. And it's just incredible how things have ter- turned since then. And I think the difficult thing for Dundalk supporters to accept probably is that that 2019 season, it seemed to be a continuation of how Stephen Kenny had been doing and how the team had been doing under, under Stephen Kenny. And I sometimes have friends say to me that, they could have done that in 2019 by just maintaining, you know, the dressing was so strong, mm. the team was so strong, uh, but somehow it's been allowed to get away from them so quickly. And I think that's difficult for Dundalk supporters. Anyone can understand, uh, you know, a team declining, you know, a decline. That happens. You know, football, uh, no one, nothing lasts forever in football. You know, yes. teams decline. But this has seemed to be a dismantling by mm. bad management by the powers that be in the club. It's been a dismantling of of everything that Dundalk under Stephen Kenny and in that first year under Vinnie Pert stood for. And that's mm. probably the hardest thing for a Dundalk supporter to take, I would imagine. Can it be turned around? That's the question. Yeah, uh, Is Vinnie Pert going to have time to turn it around? You know, the rumours are that uh, the suggestion is that Peak Six may not be fully committed to the project anymore and may be looking at an exit at the end of the season. Certainly they're looking at um, cutting back 
the budget available. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the word is um, we'll have to try and find out from Vinny on Friday night. There's no press conference today. Usually Dundalk do a press conference with, with Jim Bajilton or the manager and a player, but that's not happening today. We'll get an opportunity to talk to Vinny after the game tomorrow night. Mm. But it'll be interesting to see if he's been given any more than the rumoured six months. You know, that'll yes. tell a, a big tale, you know. Yes, Andy, I'm sure he's going to be asked about, you know, that he has the final say on team selection and if he has a say as well on players that because a window will open up now to bring in some players in the league. It's it's ironic really, isn't it? As you said, the collapse has been spectacular. The biggest budget in the history of the league. The biggest budget ever. And yet, in the League of Ireland, it's an amazing thing. I often said I'm following it since I was a nipper. Nobody dominates, as you said, forever. And clubs are up there and down they go and it can be yo-yo. But it's the fascinating aspect. I often say this to people about the league. It's wonderful from that perspective that, you know what I mean, nobody does dominate. Like other leagues where teams win eight and nine in a row. That's just a general observation. But look, at back to himself, there is time to rescue the season because, you know, a European place is attainable. There's a cup competition there and they face a European campaign which will be starting shortly this year. Yeah, and they got a really favourable draw yes. uh, in the Europa Conference League there against the West Side Newtown uh, who I think finished in around 7th in the Welsh League so you know on paper it looks a very winnable game I imagine that Newtown as one of the minnows going into that Conference League would be looking for a team who are dreadfully out of form and would consider Dundalk to be an opportunity possibly for them too but you know all things been equal given the resources available to Dundalk and the you know, presumed quality player. I remember Jerry being on with you before the start of the season and it was after the President's Cup and we were all a little bit concerned about what Dundalk would be like. And, you know, you asked me the question, can Dundalk compete? And I said, yes, based on the President's Cup, you'd have said so. The, mm. the quality of players seemed to be there. They went toe-to-toe against Shamrock Rovers. Let Shamrock Rovers have the ball, I think, a lot on the night, but largely control the game without the ball, which is how they've played a bit this season in some of the bigger games that they've done well in, you know. But, when the onus is on them against lesser teams, that's where Dundalk have underperformed this season. And that might come to pass in the Conference League against Newtown. Who knows? Yeah. But if they do get through against them, they have Levadia Talon, who they've de- de- defeated over the last couple of years in uh, the Europa League. And they also have St. Joseph's uh, for, or St. Joseph's from uh, Gibraltar yeah. in the second round. So again, very winnable games yes. if it should come to it. I didn't actually mention when, when you asked me at the outset about the return of Vinny, you know, there was that whole confusion on Monday as to whether or not he was getting the job. You know, mm. Dave Rogers, um, who's an ex-player, an ex-Shelburne player, you know, well-known in the league and has, you know, gone on his coaching journey, you know, mm. through Liverpool's academy and into um, football in India and also in America. He was in Arizona last. Um, he came back home from America over the last uh, couple of weeks and was strongly rumoured, more than rumoured, it appeared that he had the job at one stage on Monday. That was the information certainly we got at one point on Monday. And that has been uh, largely borne out elsewhere. You know, we weren't the only ones who received that information that Dave Rogers had the job. Mm. And then you had an about turn at the last minute on it. You know, it just added to the whole confusion. Mm. And, you know, the... You know, it's just so unsatisfactory the way things are going yes, at the moment. Yes. And even then, we all knew then on Monday evening that Finney Pert was getting the job. Yet we had to wait till last night to find out for sure, you know. Oh. It's not good for supporters. No, no, no. It, it, it's not you good know. for anybody, to be honest with you. Adrian, I want to take a short break. Stay there because I have something else to talk to you about in a moment. We'll just take this short break. Adrian Taff is staying with us. You all know Adrian Taff for his sport, but he's a terrific music man as well, promoting local artists. He's a great supporter of gigs and he's going to tell us about about something brand new and exciting here on LMFM Radio that's beginning this Saturday. 
It's called Saturday Sets. Well, Adrian, what's this about? Yeah, Saturday Sets. Uh, looking forward to this, I have to say. Um, we were thinking recently that, uh, you know, with people not able to get out to gigs and get to... Um, and get to pubs and stuff like that, you know. And, and there's been such an explosion of people doing online streams uh, over the last, uh, you know, whatever, 18 months or however long this pandemic, it feels like forever. But um, we yeah. thought that maybe there'd be an opportunity for us to offer the LMFM platform for local artists of varying degrees and sizes, uh, you know, to play on and expose them to our audience. And, you know, so we put together... Uh, a list or a programme of uh, acts to go out over the next six weeks. And we're starting this Saturday night at 9pm on the LMFM Facebook page. And I'm delighted to say the first one is the four of us who are, you know, relatively local. They're from Newry, but they live in Carlingford, two yeah. lads. And uh, they're, look, they're legends of Irish music. You know, Mary, of course, is one of the most iconic songs ever mm. written by any Irish band. But they're still going strong as well. And um, they have a new single out at the moment called Waiting Game, which I think is one of the best and poppiest songs that they've written in years. And, uh, the, you know, I, I think there's huge affection for them. And I'm really looking forward to getting them up onto our Facebook page and for them to perform to the LMFM audience oh, on Saturday yeah. night. should yeah. be great. And we've got a great range of different styles and sizes of artists as well. We have some country soul sort of type music. We have singer-songwriter stuff. We have Dermot Kennedy-style young artists coming up. And we have some traditional music as well. So uh, loads, plenty, something for everybody over the next six weeks, I hope. Something for everybody in the audience. He's sounding like Tuberty, for sure. Yes, <laughs> it's this Saturday. Today, starting at 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, the LMFM Facebook page. We invite you all to tell your friends and come along and let's have a great audience on Saturday because the four of us, ah, they're going to rock the Casbah, that's for sure. Adrian, it's a brilliant, brilliant new initiative. I'm looking forward to it myself and well done to all concerned. And again, reminding everybody, this Saturday, 9 o'clock, LMFM's Facebook page. Adrian, we're going to play into news and sport or two with that very song you mentioned there. It's their new one. From the four of us, let's have a listen. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks, Jerry. We're just playing the wedding game. I read Richard's letter top of the show about potholes and you are reacting on late lunch today. Jerry, you're wasting your time trying to get anything done about potholes. We have no sides left on the sides of our roads. Don't even start on the potholes. If you meet anything on our roads, you have to pull in and tear the sides of the tyres off your car to avoid hitting them. It's disgraceful. They fix all the big roads. Don't even bother anymore looking at any minor or side roads, says a listener to us today uh, the big pothole I mentioned it at Tom Rose Point down by the River Boyne a lorry driver has called in to say that if he's travelling that road with a heavy load he honestly says Jerry, I'm telling you this a load is going to end up toppling from my lorry or some other lorry on top of a car it's terrible there's no money to fix these potholes it seems they are so dangerous that's coming from a lorry driver to us today Frank is so annoyed at the state of the roads in Drogheda and all the potholes he blames the local elected officials he says they've done nothing about it and they're powerless well you see you know you mentioned the mayor and the new mayor there they really are ceremonial roles now it has to be said with the uh, whole change and the downgrading of local government that's a fact that's what they are it really is uh, it's what our listeners are saying to me today there you are that's what Frank has to say Siobhan's been on 
Betty's town is riddled with potholes, Jerry. It's disgraceful. Donnacarney too. There's new building going on out there. And the roads are wrecked. That's out in East Mead there. Carol says, waste of money what they've done on Beechgrove. That big hole this morning or overnight, Jerry. It's a temporary fix. It'll be out of it in no time. It's a permanent job that's needed there and soon. And all of the others as well. Afternoon, Jerry. Potholes are a big problem all over the place. And it's exactly the same in and around. Here we are. We're in Toher now in County Loud. My granny could do a better job than the council. Someone really needs to sort this out urgently. Question for you, Jerry: If a pothole is repaired by the council or contractor, if your car is then damaged, can you make a claim against the engineer, the people who effected the repair, or the council? We have to check that one out for you. Keep your pothole comments coming to me. Are there potholes in your area? Is it a real problem? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. We continue a little feature we're doing on the show for the next while. It's called COVID Through the Ages. And I'm delighted to say I have a wonderful man joining me today. I hope he doesn't mind me saying he's an octogenarian and a sprightly one at that. Mick Connell, hello again. How are you, Jerry? Well, uh, that's a nice uh, way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is a nice way to put it. And you are sprightly, and that is known the length and breadth of the land and all round where you live there in County Mead. Mick, look, I want to ask you this. You've lived through many crises, I know, in your lifetime. Has this been the most difficult time since COVID came? Well, for me, it hasn't been, mind you. And, you know... I I and I I haven't been out of the house uh, except to go for my injections, and uh, I went up to the hospital once for a checkup in the last since March last March twelve months. Mm. That's all I was. That's all the times I was out. But I I have a I I have all the ambitions of the world to get out now. And the weather is middling and things improving. And be able to maybe go to an odd football match and stuff. Mm. But I'm in good form, thanks be God. And uh, I see it all coming coming good now. As you can mm. see, I reckon that I was going to be here till next Christmas. But uh, I don't think I will. <laughs> I think ah. Ah, Mick, Mick, you know what? It's it's I I I just know you. You have a fantastic attitude because you didn't say to me, "Look, you've been confined all this time," and yet you said to me there, "It hasn't been difficult." How have you coped? Well, you know, I I'm I'm lucky. You see, I'm, I'm I I have a lovely family, and only for them, I suppose, everything would be upside down. But the work, uh, the, the daughters, they kept coming to. Look after me, and I'm permanently in the chair, you see. Mm. And I suppose when you're permanently in the chair and can't get out of it, uh, anything else that's happening around you is only secondary in a way. And uh, I know that there was people and had horrible times. I, I pity the mother and the father and the, the kids because I remember all my kids. I loved every one of them. And, uh, I used to enjoy them for the bits of time I got with them, but I was working and couldn't be with them. And I often thought it'd be great if I could. But um, I'd like to uh, tell all the younger fathers and mothers that 
this is the best time in their lives with their kids if they and to realise that and if they love them the way they should, they'll be loved back the way I am. Oh, Mick. You're melting our hearts today. You really are. But you know, you make a wonderful point because prior to this, mammies and daddies who were working and had children were racing off early morning to get into Dublin, home late at night, children farmed out. And in the last 18 months, we've had to work from home and work family and work at home. You're right. Yeah, so that's the thing. They're all out for getting... uh, a real know-how of what they have to do and what they have to, what's the, the, the all these innocent children that, uh, and when they're young, they are all uh, looking for adventure and doing things that they shouldn't do. And mm. I know myself when I was a little lad, I done dangerous things. There was eleven of us, and I was the eldest. And my father and mother didn't probably know where we were most of the time. We were all over the... With, lucky enough, we had a little bit of a farm and it gave us plenty of room. But there was dangerous drains of water and everything around. But we we managed to survive mm. through it all. Mm. But we were never... Our mother and father was always in the house. They were there for us. And uh, I had things that I can't forget and... Um, my mother used to say to me when I was beginning to go out and meet people as all she'd say to me mind yourself yeah. and that that's one of the most important things I could say to any young people mind yourself yeah. because uh, when you do that it won't do any harm Oh, sure. And, you know, you make the point there. You had your parents with you, and that's what so many have had this last while, and it's a big positive. I know you love the football, and you're dying to get back out to a game. What did you miss most? Was it the sport, the football, you missed most? most? Or were you listening in when the sport was on on radio? Were you watching on television? What was the story there? Well, that's a big, big loss for me. A lot of the things I see, I had to... I had to resign my position as chairperson because I felt I wasn't in a position to be able to do the things that a chairperson should do. Mm. And I've had to, and that's the hardest thing I've had to do through the whole thing is to resign from that job. And uh, I miss it. I miss all the people that I, uh, in the act of retirement as well, we used to go every Monday morning to, to art and we'd be doing bits of paint and they used to be I'd be dirty and myself with paint that's the most I could say (laughs) (laughs) so you miss you miss and and the club again your your club just remind us of your club yeah well the club the club I'm 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 completely I would have done anything there now. It's, co- it's Column Kills, isn't it? That's what I wanted you to say. Gail Column Gail Column Kill. Gail Column Kill in Kells is your club and you wear a chair there. So you're missing that. You're missing the uh, retirement group as well. So they were the big misses for you. Yet, coming, oh, yeah. coming back to the point that, you know, you were able to, in a way, content yourself with your situation because you've said to me a few moments ago, you feel there were others worse off than you. Oh, the, oh yes, definitely. Uh, mm. I, I, I forever sort of a, a being I am. I'm able to uh, adjust to what's there and do with it. I'm not 
worry about it. Yeah. Because it's what it's the way you're going to be. But I, I, I have a lot of things going for me. I'm not sick and I'm not in pain and I have a good appetite. Uh, two good at times. I have to slow up all the time in case I swell up that the chair won't hold me. But I didn't do that now, mind you, so far. But, uh, yeah. You you know something, you're a tonic. You're a real, you're, and that's an old saying as well. You know, I can think back to my own mother, they said it, and it was a lovely compliment to people. But you, Mick Connell, are certainly a tonic. In, in terms of, you know, your retirement group and the football club, did you lose anyone, you know, uh, well, there was people that there's people that died, but uh, not um, aware of any of the close friends now that mm. died with COVID. Mm. But uh, a couple of people died. They're saying very disappointed when it was in that, especially in that retirement. You know, that's really for the yes. The, there was a few now that died. We used to play bowls. I used to play bowls with them, and I I'd be meeting them every month we'd go for lunch and we'd all gather for the lunch. Then we were doing breakfast some mornings, maybe twice a month. And uh, we were doing this art. And then if there was one having different uh, outings as well, the dancing and all that. And uh, I was loving that, even Mm. though I was in the chair for the last couple. But I enjoyed it and plenty of people coming around you and Yes, it's yes. Great. Yeah, great. The, the, com- then, the company, the company makes The company it. is yeah. everything. Mm. It's the most important thing in everyone's life. Yeah. And and, uh, and you mentioned you, you, you've, you're you've vaccinated now, are you, Mick? Oh, I am, yes. Good uh, man, good man. So you, most of my family, my siblings are all kind of finished now, except one or two. Yeah. And my own uh, daughter and, and sons have been done as well, so... Yeah, uh, and I've won. I've won daughter just that didn't get done yet. Yeah, but she will. She'll be on the. You know, they're moving down the ages now and getting in, in to everybody. Next door, yeah. next door now. Um, just w- while you're with me, um, you know, you have a great attitude, and as you said early on there when we we're talking, you know, uh, times are, are getting better. You've given great advice to people today. You're an inspiration because you are confined to a wheelchair. You are, you know, on your own, and you maintain this wonderful outlook. And you said to you, know, you've just said a while ago there to families, enjoy this time, enjoy your children. It's something that you know is precious. What else would you say? Is there anything else that's come to you this? last 15 months or so that well the thing is uh, I, I, the thing about the code itself you know you have all the different uh, things coming out from the government and all the people fighting against them and all this different stuff and the thing about the COVID is if you mind yourself like I said already about other things yeah. you won't get it and if you don't if you don't mind yourself you may get it mm. And you mind it, you can't blame anyone else for it. Not really. Mm. You can't, there's no way, it'll it'll do what it has. If it's a chance at you, it'll come, it'll hit you. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do, only mind yourself from that. Even no matter what people tell you, or where they tell you from, mind yourself. Mm. And then you'll be all right. And everyone else around you will be safe as well if you don't. Uh, as long as you give your th- give them that chance as well, and mind yourself, mm, and, and, get the, and get the injection is one of the biggest things. And there's there's people going around 
we all got it now. We had to get it. And we're all right now because we're safe mm. and we feel safe. But the ones that didn't get it, sometimes they're apprehensive. I was a bit apprehensive. I was a bit apprehensive myself for an infant injection. Yes. But I didn't even know I got it when I was after getting it. I, I came home. It never affected me at all. I, I wondered was it done right or what. But I, I got it anyway, the two jobs. <laughs> and I think everybody should have no fear of doing it and just get it done because it's, it's, as, it's as good a thing as they can do in this Yes, yes. And you know, when we met you first here in late lunch, just before we finished, we met you in the context of your involvement with transition years in school. And you, you know, at your age were imparting your life experiences to them and they loved it as well. They're all missing you. And you know that. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Because (laughs) I want to see when I get to meet them again. The The ones that I was involved with now are gone away, they'll nearly be working in the next uh, year or so and I might get get it hard to even see them again but uh, you know, yeah. hopefully I'll, I, there's lots of there's lots of the, uh, the, with the girls in particular I, I, they're, they're really the ones that um, I, I, they're great yeah. they're, they're wonderful they're a wonderful group to have happened to do it and the boys probably they're, they're, you know, the way they're feisty and they're, you know, um, you have to, <laughs> it, they're a different kettle of fish altogether. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong because they're not, yes. but the, it's just that they're a different kettle of fish. Ah, sure they are. You know. Yeah, but, but you know, you know, Mick, uh, it works both ways and, and boys and girls, of course, are different, that's for sure. But look, they loved you, your life experience. There'll be another crop coming along and you'll be imparting your wisdom and knowledge to them. But I'll tell you this, you've imparted wonderful wisdom, words of wisdom and encouragement and you name it to us today on a Late Lunch. COVID through your eyes. Well, Mick, you're an inspiration. I say it again. I wish you health, happiness and success in the football this year. Well, thank you very much, and I hope you have a great year as well. And this uh, LMFM becomes one of the greatest places to be. Ah, listen. Now, I don't, to be honest, I don't listen to radio. Much. I have no, well, I have the radio on my phone, but, you <laughs> know, it, it, I have, there's a lot of songs, a uh, lot of music on the, on the Facebook now, and I... I love watching that. Tape, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. You're using the technology. And listen, I'll just leave you with this. Get get the the LMFM app downloaded onto that phone. Our app. And once you have the app on the phone, you can listen to the sport here, the music, and even ourselves on late lunch and all the programs. Mick, it's been a pleasure. God bless you. Thanks, Jerry. And 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 same here. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's bye. the wonderful Mick Connell there. Part of our feature COVID through the ages isn't he marvellous 84 years young confined to his chair in his home and what an attitude he has and what words of advice they'll hang with me for a long time Late Lunch LMFM Radio I just adore that song never tired of playing it really would don't Uh, and we're going back to uh, 75 there, was released on the 18th of January and it made it to number one in the USA on the 5th of April 1975, the day after Louise Walsh was born. (laughs) 
there you are. You just missed out by 24 hours. Anyway, she's smiling at me. She's uh, We'll have to find out what actually was number one on the fourth, the one before Minnie in the States. But a big, big hit indeed it was back then. Now, uh, <laughs> I always think of Birdsong when I listen to uh, Minnie Ripperton singing that song. And uh, a bird has been found, a yellow canary. Uh, Marion Park in Drogheda think it's a young bird a ring on it if anyone's missing a canary Marion Park area of Drogheda we have the contact number Marion is the woman to contact there so if your canary's lost we know where the canary is had the pleasure of being part of the company that ran fundraising events for Gail Column Kill like Strictly etc we've worked all over the country and Jerry, without doubt Mick Connell is a true gentleman a true clubman and one of the nicest men I've ever, ever met. You can just hear how passionate and nice he is in your conversation. And it's great to hear him on your show today. That comes in from Dee. That's a lovely message there. There's another one. Uh, Mick Connell, one gentleman, Jerry. He played pitch and putt all over with my husband, Ted. I would be watching them back and have the dinner ready for them. It was just great. Thank you indeed for those lovely messages. He is a true gentleman. He really is. Back to your potholes. Peter's been on to say the county council are wasting a lot of money. They modified the junction at the village, uh, in the village of Anagassan, made it awkward for lorries, vans and cars to travel on because it was too narrow. Now they have to go and put it back the way it was originally. What did all that cost, says Peter? It's absolute madness. Thank you, whoever you are. Never mind potholes, says a Dundalk listener. It's like the Wild West in the laurels in Dundalk, Jerry. Look at this picture. It certainly is wild looking. Uh, the streets there, honest to God, it uh, could do it a bit. Uh, a big tidy up, should I say. And those markings you mentioned, Jerry, on the holes are for cyclists. They shout back to each other, left or right, to move either side of the pothole. I thought we were just marking them out to have them fixed. Um, hi, Jerry. Magella. Magella's back. On a serious note, my son lives in Rockfield, close RD. A week ago, they ripped up the footpath and the potholes are still there. Three huge ones beside the footpath. What a joke it is. You know, this has got people animated for sure. These, uh, I don't know, there's a, I think there's a fair investment needed to uh, put things right with the amount of potholes there are. We're hearing from uh, both Loud and Mead. Keep your messages coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I can promise you, on late lunch, something fishy happening next with Tara Walker. She's brilliant working her magic with any foods in the kitchen. But she said to me, I'll let you in a little secret. Fish are my favourite. Hello again, Tara Walker. Hello, Jerry. Ah, great to have you with us today. They are your favourite. You love fish more than anything else. Probably, you know, like as a chef, people often ask me, you know, what's your favourite food? And I, 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 it's very difficult to answer, but I'll always say probably whatever fresh catch there is um, and just playing around with it is my favourite because, and also like we are so lucky to live close to Clarehead here where we mm. have access to amazingly fresh gorgeous seafood yeah and right up along the coast of Loud, and there's a little bit of mead on the coast as well we're and close to dublin and holt and everything there's no excuse tara and the fish as well i know they come from the south coast as well today with fish being caught and transported they're really so quick into the various fishmonger shops aren't they Absolutely. And actually, I've only just been into Kerwin's fish cart there in Drogheda just before I got back to talk to you. And um, they were telling me that actually a lot of the fish is being caught very close to Clarehead here at the moment, just right. with the season that's in it. 
Okay, so even closer still at the moment. So no excuse. The fish is fresh. It's marvellous. Get to your local fishmonger. I love Karen's myself, I have to say. And get your lovely, tasty, fresh fish. Now, first off, I want to ask you this, because let's get this out of the way for a start. You can prepare fish in many ways, and I've been with you and seen you doing it differently. Fry, poach, bake, steam, grill. They all, I take it, have their merits, or have you any favourite in those ways of preparation? Again, just an impossible question for me to answer because I love it all so much. Okay. But I, I suppose look, for people who maybe aren't used to fish, if we start there, maybe yep. um, an easy way to sort of get started. A lot of people when they come to my classes tell me that they're a bit nervous about how to cook fish, that they feel that they overcook it because they're nervous to undercook it. Um, for me with fish, I would always err on the side of slightly undercooked when I'm cooking it because as you rest it, and it is important to rest it for half the cooking time, it carries on cooking through, you know, whereas when it's overcooked, it becomes dry and it loses its flavor. Mm. So some things that are really easy to get people started with is just obviously um, breading fish and battering fish is gorgeous, old fashioned way. I don't mean old fashioned, I mean, classic kind of way yes. to do it. Um, but even that has a little bit of technique in it to get it completely right. So one um, dish that I often do, say with kids camps here or just as a quick midweek meal, what gives you a similar effect is a pop pop couple of pieces of fish for a piece for everybody that you're feeding salmon hake cod any of them probably more meaty fishes maybe than a flat fish if you know what i mean um and i don't know how how far you heard um but just popping a little bit of mayonnaise and some breadcrumbs on top and into the oven for 15 to 20 minutes at 180 degrees and the the you'll get the lovely crispness from the breadcrumbs that you might be kind of craving if you're new to cooking fish and you're used to having sort of fish and chips or whatever but then the mayonnaise keeps it really nice and moist and it's just super super simple that way so it's a really nice little intro to cooking fish if you're if you're not sure about it so that's the easiest thing to do to bake it. When we're talking about frying, and you showed me a trick with this, and it's for sure, if you're going to fry a piece of fish without putting batter or crumbs in it, is it enough to flour it and season it and fire it on the pan? Will that do the job? And a little bit of butter as well. So but I think what you're remembering is um, I keep my pan nice and dry yep. and very hot. And I dip my fish, so a flat fish, I mean, it can be haker cod as well, but something like sole, John Dory, turbot, ling, even um, place, lemon sole, any of those, dip it into the flour that's seasoned and then spread butter onto it, nearly like it was a slice of toast. Mm. And then you pop it onto the pan. So this is, you know, flesh side down. And that little bit of butter is enough to keep it, um, is enough fat for the pan. And then it only takes maybe two or three minutes each side, depending on the thickness of your fish. So just tip, tip it over. What's good about doing it that way is you can control how kind of golden brown the flesh gets. And then you can finish off cooking on the skin side until you know it's cooked through. Most of those flash, flat fish will kind of dome up in the centre a little bit when they're cooked. Mm. But it's a, a nice, easy way, again, of frying and doing the job. So look, at you've baked a fish, you've fried a fish for us. Talk to me about poaching. Say I get a nice little darn of salmon or tail end of salmon and I want to poach it. What's the story there? Yeah, and, and Jerry, your own trout that you've caught oh, yeah. given me many times is lovely this way as well. Um, so just cover most of the way up in some water. So get an oven-proof dish, cover in some water. You can throw a little bit of lemon and white wine in if you have either or. Um, just for a little bit of acidity in the water, some salt and pepper. If you want to go a bit more sort of classic French cuisine, you could throw some peppercorns and a couple of bay leaves in there. 
um, and then cover in tin foil and pop into the oven again depending on the size of the piece you have you know 15 to 20 minutes and then you get that just beautiful especially with the say a wild salmon or trout the most beautiful flaky kind of softly cooked fish it's just beautiful with like a marie roll sauce or a homemade mayonnaise or something like that now grilling fish is something I might not do very often but I'll tell you a lovely fish that I do like either all grilled because they're very oily fish I love to grill a mackerel a fresh mackerel or a herring Tara yeah lovely lovely so and I don't do an awful lot of grilling of fish either because I find it harder to control actually um, and you might end up a little bit overcooked by accident but uh, unless you have a salamander you know like a, a gas grill that's mm. really super hot um, so they are lovely just a bit of butter on them and under the grill seasoned with a bit of salt and pepper just beautiful really simple like that yeah and fresh mackerel or herrings you can't beat it and they're not an expensive fish either and get them in season when you go into the fishmongers they should be colourful and bright and looking at you and they look after you I know they will what about steaming is steaming a, a thing on your repertoire with fish it's not really for me because it just doesn't give you that little bit of flavour yeah. I know a lot of people maybe if they're looking after the calories or trying to lose weight or whatever popping it into a steamer with some veg is a very handy way of going about it obviously you can pop a little bit of salt and pepper onto it Um like what I would nearly do instead of steaming in a steamer is pop it on papillot, which is wrapped up in paper and then into the oven. So you're essentially steaming it in the oven. So you'd have your baking paper, pop your pieces of fish onto it, however many you're doing, or you can do individual ones if you want. Pop a little bit of seasoning or some flavours in there. So like cumin and lime are lovely in there or a little bit of olive and um, tomato and basil gorgeous. Just wrap them up into little parcels and into the oven and they essentially steam and then it creates a little bit of a sauce with the flavours that you put in there so the juices from the fish mix with whatever little bits and bobs you put in there and you get like a little meal in one obviously um, from your from your fish then. Now talk to me uh, about uh, the whole area of shellfish and I want you to come back to something that you did miraculously there with me one day you know I love prawns many people do love them get them in the shells and do you cook them in the shells? Remind me again, you pop them into, was it cold water brought them to the boil in the shell or out of the shell? Take us through that again, will you? So for me, if you're cooking in the shell, I prefer to do either on the barbecue or on a griddle. So that's, I think we did that once um, on the griddle pan. So just a little bit of oil and salt and pepper and throw them onto a griddle pan until they become... Um, more kind of pink or orange in colour depending on what type of prawns you're using and then if you're using uh, shelled prawns which I love as well for the likes of a prawn cocktail or in salads or whatever then pop them into cold water so just cover them in cold water and bring them up to the boil and only just bring them up to the boil as soon as they come to the boil take them off and run the cold water over them and now I'm talking about you know Dublin Bay prawns or Clarehead or Langoustine um, so they're nearly part of the lobster family. Those lovely, juicy, meaty prawns that we get around here. Not so much for gambas or, you know, tiger prawns or whatever. Where do you stand on freezing fish? Say you get very fresh fish and you're using some and you think, I mightn't use it for a few days. Of course, it won't keep. It'll only keep limited in the fridge. Where do you stand on that whole area? Yeah, I mean, I do, You like, say, crab meat and prawns and things like that. Very handy to have in the freezer for a quick midweek meal. Um, like my favourite fish probably um, and like they know in Kerwins when I ring oh, we've a, we a lovely bit of turbot or John Dory or Brill there 
So those flatfish, and they're fine for about, for me, just up to about a week or two in the freezer. Otherwise, they just start to dry out a little bit in the freezer. So I'd say if, you, if you've got extra fish or it happens to be available or for some reason you're not cooking dinner at the last minute, just pop it into the freezer, but try and eat it within a sort of a week or two. What about accompaniments to fish? Uh, you know, sauces and things like that. What's it classic? Do you love, you know, dressing them up or do you like, you know, as you said, they're simple, just uh, salt and pepper, a little bit of butter or do you like a sauce with them at all? I nearly always go with some kind of a sauce, but like not necessarily a heavy old school sauce. So it might be something like um, at this time of year, I love doing kind of flavoured oil. So it could be like a salsa verde or it could be a pesto or it could be there's a lovely one I do with chili, lemon and coriander. And it's like a little pesto made with that combination with a with a piece of fried fish. And then actually recently I've been making a lot of um, cream based sauces with the fish as well, which is gorgeous. So just pan fry your fish, then just just clean the pan off a little bit with a bit of kitchen roll, some butter, a little bit of shallot, a bit of garlic, deglaze with a little bit of white wine, pop a little bit of cream in, let it bubble up and thicken for a couple of minutes and reduce down. And that is just absolutely gorgeous. I've, I've served that with prawns lately. I've served it with salmon. I've served it with mussels even. Obviously, the mussels are cooked within it, you know. So that's a really quick way um, to get great flavour into a dish. I'm sorted for Friday. It'll be fish in Kelly's for sure. I can guarantee you. East Coast Cookery School ie. The courses are running online still. Lots happening there. Check it out. Tara, until the next time. Thanks a million. Great to talk to you, Jerry, as always. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's the brilliant Tara Walker there taking us through some hints and tips and suggestions for fish. It's so healthy, it's so good for you. Coming to a road near you soon. Yes, potholes are back. You've heard it first on Late Lunch this afternoon. It's all over Louth and me. There are difficulties in different areas. I'm very grateful uh, to Fine Gael Councillor Paddy Mead, who's been listening to us chatting about it through the afternoon. And he got in touch with our Louise to say that Mead got 14 million euros and Louth got 4.8 8 million euros, almost 10 million less, for road repairs this summer, which equates to 78 euro in Meath per head and 40 euro only in Loud per head of population. Uh, Paddy says if we got the national average, both would have got about double. And he says what needs to be addressed, this whole issue of funding, proper funding, needs to be addressed at national level. And I say here, here to that. But the other question is, Paddy and to everybody, with the funds they have, how are they being spent? You know, and are they being spent wisely and effectively and targeting? You know, I suppose there has to be priority as well. Where the biggest and most dangerous potholes are. You know, that's a, a, a another question that needs to be addressed as well. Thanks indeed for that, Paddy. Um, another one. I got a lovely one here. When I read this one to you. Here's one for you, Jerry. I cannot believe how people with small lawns have ride-on mowers. <laughs> I have two lawns on a big paddock out the back. I have a push lawn petrol mower. But my God, I was going down to my mum's the other day and I saw this guy struggling with a huge ride-on mower in a tiny garden. You couldn't swing a cat and he was trying to turn it round and back and every other way. What a laugh that fella gave me. Thanks for that message. I'm laughing too, thinking of the big ride-on and the tiny postage stamp lawn. 
Ah, some folk are queer, aren't they? They're queer, that's for sure. Your late lunch on LMFM Radio, still to come. Take that story rattles on and we hear about a Waterloo exhibition happening in Millmount in Drawed After News, weather and sport at three. But we're heading there with Post Malone. Circles, circles on that ride on more. On the little garden for sure. Circles, circles, circles. Ah, oh, Maria Flynn from Ballamacanny Farm. They've made it all. They've made it. If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere, as the song says. They're on the leave insert paper. Yes, the business paper. There was a question and Ballamacanny Farm were mentioned. Oh, my word. You've definitely made it when you've been quoted in the leave insert. Along with the great poets, Yeats and Keats and Ballymckenny Farm there now, isn't it? Fantastic. Well done, Maria. Well done to you. Congratulations. My artists of the week. This week are, take that, very popular indeed. In July 2010, wild child Robbie Williams returned to take that, bridging a 15-year gap and restoring the original five-man lineup. They released a new album called Progress, which went straight to number one and stayed there for six weeks. Its release and sales, three million in the UK alone, confirmed Take That as Amazon's top-selling music artists of all time. They toured extensively, with Williams also performing some of his solo hits. They released a highly successful live album from that tour, and the group performed as, yes, a five-piece For the final time, it couldn't last, could it? In 2012, as Williams once more departed, it was for family reasons on this occasion. And after that, four then became three in 2014, as Jason Orange stepped aside. No hard feelings between the guys. Gary Mark and Howard ploughed on, releasing a new album. The title was simply Three. There was three of them left, which became their seventh number one album, with the lead single these days also reaching number one, their twelfth to claim top spot in the charts. Today, I'm going back a little, however, to 2007 and the soundtrack from the movie Stardust. And it's that, take that song, the theme song. You light the skies up above me A new permanent exhibition will open shortly at Millmount, the famous Martello Tower that overlooks Drogheda, the museum there. It's fantastic. It's an exhibition of the Battle of Waterloo and I'm curious to find out how it's come about and what the story is. Uh, John McCullen is on the line, a good friend of ours, first to tell me the uh, genesis of the idea. Hello again, John. Hello, Jerry. What's the story? The story is a rather strange one. We had the previous president whose name was Pat Fulham and he lived out at Smithstown and he'd spent his lifetime collecting lead soldiers Mm. to do with this battle. So he had it all laid out on shelves of a press out in his house and he wanted to give it to somebody deserving. So we thought we were deserving and we presented ourselves and he said, right, on one condition, build a battlefield. Mm. So we went off then to try to build a battlefield and... We made a few attempts with various kind of schools and agencies and um, didn't work. And then we were lucky to get the help of Peter O'Leary and Noel Bailey and Gina Petrea, all of whom were associated. And Peter had done a marvellous piece of work below in the Tolsa previously mm. on Drogheda. So they set to work and we got the soldiers off uh, 
Pat, and um, we had odd problems. Like we hadn't enough dead bodies at one stage, because if you kill forty-eight thousand people in one day, there's bound to be a lot of bodies lying around the place. Yes. So Gina came to the rescue. She was able to make dead bodies for us to match the size and scatter blood around the place and legs here and arms there and things like that because it was quite a wicked event. Yes. 48,000 people is more than the now population of Greater Drogheda. Mm. And they were all dead after one day. Incredible. It wasn't a huge, huge loss of life. Peter O'Leary, representing the others, is on the other line. We'll just bring him in here. Hello, Peter. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me on the show. So you created the diorama. Uh, correct, Jerry. Yeah. Um, basically, when John asked me to do it, uh, I, I read up uh, over Christmas 12 months, I read up uh, the story on different sources on the Battle of Waterloo, and I discovered there was over 10,000 Irish men in it. And of those 10,000 Irish boys and men, there would have been uh, 20,000 fathers and mothers at home in Ireland, and God knows the number of siblings. And I realised it's a huge event in the Irish uh, history and well worth recording um, from their point of view. It was 30 years before the famine, and a lot of these men, if not all of them, were very poor, and they, they had nowhere to go but to join the British Army to to make a living and to uh, feed their wives and children at home. And that's what happened. Um, it, it's a seismic event, as John just said, uh, and uh, European history has been, been altered, altered dramatically by the Battle of Waterloo. So you did a lot of research and you've put, oh, put it into this uh, exhibition which is opening. Is it, the, the battle itself was the 18th of June, 1815, which is tomorrow by anniversary. Are you open tomorrow? Yes, well, um, I understand the Old Drada Society will have the mayor and I congratulate the mayor, James, James Bourne. Uh, he will be uh, 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 heading up the ceremony tomorrow. There can only be, because of COVID, COVID there can only be very yeah. few people at it. Yes. And uh, at 5.30 tomorrow evening, there will be a small ceremony uh, at Millmount up at, at the tower to, if you like, to launch. Well, it's not an official launch. That will happen, hopefully, uh, uh, with, with, with a national personality sometime down the year, maybe October, yeah. maybe September, whenever that can be arranged. But tomorrow it will, it, it, it will be James Bourne will uh, uh, open the, the thing. And uh, from Saturday on, I presume that the public are, are able to visit it just as they would visit the museum. Yes. Millmont Museum. Yeah, great, great. You've done a wonderful job, I, I, I'm told. John, you must be delighted with this man's work, bringing this to life, and Pat thrilled that these figurines that have been hidden away for years and years are now alive and open to uh, p- people to visit. This is a permanent exhibition, uh, John. This is a permanent exhibition, Jerry. and I suppose the other interesting thing from Drogheda's point of view is that it was all Napoleon's fault. Mm. There wouldn't be a Millmount Tower only for the fact that they were terrified he was coming. So they built all these things along the coast, the Martello Towers, to keep him away or to keep watch for him. Yes. So not alone was he the cause of the thing, but the other interesting thing was that the fellow who finally 
defeated him in Waterloo, Wellington, came from Trim, and, well, he was reputed to have gone to school in the grammar school in Drogheda. We can't find any proof of that, but the grammar school people always said that he came there and came up in a boat on the river mm. as a pupil. Mm. Now, I think part of that is the fact that he was so famous, and he was afterwards the Prime Minister of England. Yes, so of quite course. famous. Mm. Drogheda associations heavily. Mm. And therefore, it fits to have the thing in Yes, in yes, that's a perfect fit. And there is so much synergy there. Look, boys, I have to leave it there today. I just wanted to highlight it. Tell the general public it's opening tomorrow. There'll be an official launch later in the year. But it's well worth seeing. And congratulations to all concerned, John, Peter and everybody Thank else involved. Thank you, Jerry. You're very good, Tureen. Thank Not you. at all. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. That's John McCullen there from the Old Rotter Society and Peter O'Leary who uh, worked on the diorama. It's fabulous. It's a really, really great job. Now, that's a lot on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow, do you remember your school reports? Louise has ours. I don't think I have mine. We're going to be talking about your school reports of yesteryear on late lunch tomorrow yes dig them out tonight is there anything in them that uh, says a lot about you today or back then we'll have a bit of fun with that on late lunch tomorrow Anna McPartland's here brilliant daughter and she's written something very personal now about her infertility and we're talking about that on late lunch tomorrow Sean Collins is here the 18th of June never mind Waterloo it was a fateful day locally a hundred years ago in 1921 Leon Blanche looking at the sport and we'll have your riddle on Friday Two hours to do it all. Can we do it? Yes, we can. Who do we need? We need you. Paul McKenna's coming next with The Drive. See you Friday for the final late lunch of the week at 1.30. It's a date. Have a good evening. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find the commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.